All right. Well, what are we talking about today? Malta. <laughs> that sounded so enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you already recording? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was looking at my paper and the screen and I was like, plus also I was like, don't you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Shiny Razor Wire, a new travel podcast about adventure travel, edgy destinations, dodgy experiences, getting lost, getting wasted, living it up in luxury sometimes, and wondering if you packed your body bag at other times. Get ready, because this isn't your ordinary travel show. This is Shiny Razor Wire. And here are your hosts for this crazy adventure, John and Delany. So first, I think we should say it's been a long time since we've actually talked to each other. You know, I think we might have drunk FaceTimed one time because you gave me like a tour of your house on your scooter. <laughs> Remember that? I did. Yeah. Then you were drunk because I never drink. Oh, like, what? honestly, I'm such a lightweight. I think I've had like two drinks since I saw you last. Well, I only drink <laughs> on I days know. that end in day. <laughs> I know exactly. I was going to say <laughs> no judgment on you, but <laughs> you keep some pretty uh, interesting hours, too. <laughs> Can you please call this episode more Malta Meal Mom? Call it what? I was afraid you wouldn't get it. It's like, do you know what Malto Meal is? I don't know. Malto Meal? <laughs> yeah, it's called Malto Meal. And the commercial is, or the catchphrase is, more Malta Meal, Mom. <laughs> and so I think you should call the episode more Malta Meal, Mom. <laughs> I, I honestly think a bunch of people would get it. Really? Um, yeah. I love when we like when I say things that dates me. Actually, I think that is actually even before my time, but it's still. So yeah, I did go to Malta for New Year's 2019 into 2020. I was there a couple of days before and a couple of days after and spent New Year's Eve there. So I do know that when I was going, and we've talked about this before, that me, I'm just ticking off countries. I just picked Malta because... It was a country and it was accessible and I really had no idea what to expect, which is a lot of places that I pick and I really enjoyed it. So first off, there are probably a lot of people that have no idea where the hell Malta is and it is in the Mediterranean and it is kind of between Libya and Sicily. It's about, I think it's like 50 miles or something. It's closer to Sicily and then Libya slash North Africa is to the south, and the whole island is really small, and it's only about 120 square miles or something. It's tiny. And then it's part of three islands. Malta is the biggest, and then there's little tiny Camino above that, and then a little bigger is Gozo, but most people go to Malta. And Malta is the name, both the name of the country and the largest island in the country, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Malta actually is really cool historically. It just, it's dating back 
to 6000 BC or something. It's really old. Obviously, it's got that Mediterranean rich history, but pretty much anybody and everybody has been through Malta as far as conquering it or living there or colonizing or whatever. But I think the Phoenicians came through there first. And there's just so much cool history, UNESCO sites, things to see. For a big slab of rock, (laughs) they really, I think they've done well. I mean, tourism is a huge part of the economy, but it's known for so many other things. And yeah, I think Malta is, give it a go. Like I said, pleasantly surprised. Then again, there's no places I really haven't, but I did. I really recommend Malta to people and we can talk more about that. So what made you go to Malta? Well, I actually like Malta. I'd heard of Malta, of course, for years, but I literally never, it never crossed my mind to go there on purpose. I thought, you know, eventually I'll go there because I want to go to every country. So eventually I'll check it off. I actually know a person from Malta who lives in London. That's the roommate of a really good friend of mine. And Mm. I've just never had a reason to go. I never thought there was a reason to go. I mean, occasionally I would hear about people going there on a trip or vacation, mostly Europeans. Europeans really love to go to Malta because Malta is actually the warmest country in terms of year-round temperature averages, the warmest country in Europe. And so a lot of Europeans go there to vacation, but a lot of Americans just don't even know it exists. Even if you've heard of it, like me, you know, and you're well-traveled, you're just kind of like, eh, Malta, what? why would I go there? But yeah, a lot of Americans don't know a lot of countries exist. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> In fairness, uh, I know <laughs> exactly. Trip there. That's not a place. Yeah. <laughs> so people are like Malta. <laughs> yeah. And well, so I kind of stumbled across it by accident because I was going to Jordan last year in 2019, and I happened to find the cheapest flight on Air Malta and Ryanair. It was like a combo flight, and so of course. You know, my first segment was on Air Malta, and I had to stop in Malta for the layover and pick up on the Ryanair flight to go on to Amman, Jordan. And I had a 24-hour layover because it was a super cheap fare, and it had like a really bizarre layover. But it left me in Malta for like 24 hours, and so I literally, you know, I almost missed Malta because I was going to book a hotel by the airport. And I was literally just like not looking forward to it. I was bummed about this long layover. I really wanted to get to Jordan. And I was just going to get a hotel by the airport and just, you know, like watch movies in the hotel room and wait out this layover. And luckily, I ended up staying downtown Valletta, which I think you know, because you've been there. It's like a pinprick. It's like a super, super tiny little capital. It's one of the, I think Valletta Malta and maybe Malay Maldives are the smallest capitals in the world. I think maybe Malay has... Valletta. I think so too. I think Valletta is actually the smallest. Oh, is it? You could be right. It's definitely in the top three of capitals, small. Yeah, Yeah, it's tiny. And so I was really lucky to find a hotel on short notice in Valletta because they're not a lot in the city of Valletta. There's a lot around there and walking distance, but in the historic city center, which is literally almost like, you know, like white girl, literally three square inches. And so, yeah, that's the only reason I got to see Malta because I just lucked up and found a hotel that was not by the airport and it was in the city center in the capital and walkable to a lot of cool stuff. And I was like, well, I guess I might as well just check out Malta while I'm here. And so I ended up spending, like I said, it was only 24 hours that I was there, but I was like, holy cow. Like I was, had I not been meeting, I swear to God, had I not been meeting people in Jordan the next day, 
I probably literally would have canceled my trip to Jordan and stayed in Malta because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, how did I not know that this country was so gorgeous, so historic, so much fun, so lively, so active, so beautiful? I was just blown away, and I had no clue that this shit existed. I'm like, Malta? Who the fuck would go to Malta? Well, I'm telling you what, anybody who misses Malta is missing out. What That was my takeaway from it. I've actually got to go back and see the rest of it because it was absolutely incredible. I would go back to Malta like 15 more times. You definitely should. And it's really not that far from you. No, it's, it was like I mean, because a I think flight from Malaga. Yeah. And I think that I feel like when I went, because actually it wasn't my first stop. I flew on that trip. That was my quote unquote New Year's trip. I flew to Girona, Spain from California. Um, Obviously, I went through a couple stops, but Girona was my first stop where I stayed, which was another cute, super fun city. Then I think I took the train back to Barcelona and then flew from Barcelona to Malta nonstop. And so it's really accessible from Spain. But yeah, that's great that you got to go for 24 hours. You know, I think that we were only there for three or four days. And I could see, and that was a good amount of time to see more of Malta. A good five to seven days would be, you know, sufficient. That's what now, I was thinking. I think Malta needs a week. And what time of year were you there? October, I think. Okay, so this time of year... It's definitely known as like a tourist destination. And, you know, this time of year, it's going to be packed and it's also going to be hot. You know, I think a lot of Europeans come there in the summer. The winters are mild. For instance, I was there, obviously, right around New Year's Eve. I definitely had on a jacket when we were there. We sort of had the spectrum of weather. It definitely never got hot enough. I mean, I was wearing jeans and a jacket the whole time. It rained quite heavily one day that we were there also very windy. And other than that, the temperature wasn't too bad, but it definitely wasn't like Schwartz weather by any means. <laughs> and then because we were there right around New Year's, there was some stuff that was closed, one for the season and two because of the time, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, that kind of stuff. So there's definitely some stuff in Malta that I would have liked to have seen that I couldn't, but I definitely saw more than you did. Did you stay in a city outside of the capital or did you just make day trips? So we stayed in Valletta. Malta is so small that we took taxis and we did a ride share like they have Bolt, which is like Uber and Lyft. So we did that. And then, yeah, we used Valletta as our home base. And even to take a taxi, I think if you, so apparently there's about, I don't know, 450,000 to 500,000 people all on Malta, and half of them are in Valletta. Yeah. So that is, you know, well, the, the main... Valletta metro area, because... Right. Yeah. And so if you took a taxi or drove or rental car or whatever outside of Valletta, even to the farthest reaches, the farthest, the longest you're going to drive for in your car is an hour, and that gets you, you know, to the coast. Or, you know, obviously the roads, you're kind of going all over the place. They're not like real point A to point B, but still decent roads. So what we did is we did, which I am I think I've talked about before, and I am a huge fan of the hop-on, hop-off bus. And I do that a lot when I go to cities that I don't know to kind of get my bearings because I do a lot of travel on my own. 
And so Malta is a little different because it's an island, you know, for the hop on, hop off. But places that are just like a city, like, say, Madrid, I'll do the hop on, hop off loop, watch everything as I'm going and listen. And then when it comes back around again, that's where I start actually hopping on and hopping off and then going into the places that I want to see and spending more time there and actually getting to know the city. It's more of kind of an orientation. But the hop on, hop off thing was a really good thing for us in Malta because it got us out to all the places that we wanted to go. Again, some of them were closed, but I think it was a really good thing that we did because otherwise we wouldn't have really known that stuff was there. So I really recommend that. And then I went with my cousin who does research really well. And I think that if I hadn't been with her, I probably wouldn't have done as much of the island, you know, just by myself. So I'm really glad that we were able to get out of Valletta and do more stuff. Did you make it to Medina, the city called Medina? We did go to Medina. So okay, I when I was that's really cute. Yeah. So when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about for this, <laughs> it's not so much the, you know, crazy, like mud piss volcano type of story, <laughs> but more historical. Oh, you mean you missed yeah. the mud piss volcano in Malta? You got to go back. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Medina is kind of in the middle of the island and it was a little classier. It was way more historic. And I just really enjoyed it. In fact, we went out to Medina on New Year's Day, kind of approaching into the evening. Of course, with that time of year, you know, there wasn't a lot of sunlight. So we got out there, we looked around a bit, we had a dinner there, and we just weren't seeing as much because it had gotten dark and it had gotten really cold. And so we had decided, so then we went back to Valletta, did New Year's Eve there. And then the next day, we actually went back out to Medina and did Medina in the daytime and walked around more and saw everything. And I Let's really it enjoyed twice. it. Yeah, because we didn't really get to see as much, like I said, because it was dark. But Malta's big economy is limestone. Like when you're landing into the airport, which is not near Valletta, which like you said, you know, if you had just stayed near the airport, you definitely would have missed it. But when you're landing, it looks like you're landing on this just slab of rock. Like the sides are just kind of cliffs that you're thinking, what am I landing on? And so it's all limestone. They don't have rivers or lakes. They just have like very limited fresh water. They have to get a lot of their stuff shipped in. They're not very self-sufficient, so they're kind of dependent on other things. So it's not exactly cheap. It's not expensive. I mean, I live in California. Everything's expensive. But it's more expensive than you'd think. It was a little pricier than I expected. And then Malta is really known for movies because of the historic stuff with the temples and the history, Phoenicians, Romans, Greeks, all that business. They filmed part of Troy there, Gladiator, you're kind of seeing a theme. And also, I think that it's my understanding that movie production there is really financially prudent for film companies because of whatever tax break Malta has. But they also filmed the movie Popeye there. Malta, if anybody ever now that's definitely a long time ago and i don't know if you ever saw it but the movie popeye with robin williams was filmed on malta and popeye has this huge village on the coast and they preserved the whole popeye's village from the movie 
kept it there. Like the movie production people donated it to Malta or something. And so they made it into like a museum, quote unquote. And so Popeye's Village is this huge attraction for if you go to Malta. And I have to say, I was really looking forward to seeing that. But of course, it was closed because of the holiday and the season. But Popeye <laughs> is a, a big, a big the thing in Malta. Popeye about like, what was Popeye even about? Oh my gosh! Like, does he and just I like sail say, around and eat spinach? I want to say it's the early eighties. Robin Williams was Popeye. Shelley Duvall was Olive Oil. God, I was so young. I don't know. He was a sailor. He ate spinach. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I know I've been wanting to rewatch it since I went to Malta, but of course, also I didn't go to Popeye's Village. But anyone over the age of forty-five, maybe, that remembers that movie you know, would kind of remember that village and how it was. And it's kind of rickety in a seaside town. But I definitely remember it. And the Maltese people are like really proud of it. Everywhere we went, you know, we really kept talking to people, what should we see what's open, whatnot. And people were like, have you been to Popeye's Village? Because <laughs> we thought this kind of stupid. And do we really want to see it? And well, they must be like Popeye. But no, every single you know, local Maltese person that we would run into and our taxi drivers and everything. They said, oh yeah, you should go there. It's really worth it. And we're like, wow. Okay. But back to Medina, we went to Medina. Just, it has, you know, it's a kind of like a citadel. I think it has like Arab Roman influences. You go in through this gate into the city. It's just so beautiful. It's so clean. And it was kind of aristocratic and I don't know, hoity-toity for its time. So when you walk along the main streets, these entrances into people's homes with these great doors, and every door has its own specific door knocker that are all different. And just, it's super decorative. And it's just so picturesque, lots of good photo ops. And then within that walled city, there are cathedrals and churches and just really cool stuff to see in that respect. Lots of churches and cathedrals on Malta. Churches, cathedrals, museums, and palaces. Those are your biggies. And are there hotels in the Medina city center or do you have to stay outside of the city? You have to stay outside of the city. I think that there are Airbnbs in Medina because I had kind of looked. There probably are hotels Maybe they're marketed a little different. It looks very old and preserved and, I don't know, classy. I think you liked Valletta more than I did. And one of the things that I said that I didn't like about Valletta, it's kind of what I've said about what I didn't like about Mykonos. I like areas <laughs> to be kind of either or. I don't like when there's an Hermes store right next door to a souvenir store with like the dick bottle opener. <laughs> I just, it's too weird of a dichotomy, a dichotomy for me. It's just, I don't like that. I think <laughs> it sounds horrible. That sounds so like segregated. Like I think there should be fancy neighborhoods and shitty neighborhoods. <laughs> I don't know. I just think you've really ruined the aesthetic. You know, if you're going to have Hermes, Prada, high-end stores, all that business, whatever it's, I'm not saying I shop at them, but like, Okay, fine. But just throwing these cheapy souvenir iHeart Malta crap magnet stuff next to like a Prada store is just really weird for me. 
I don't know. <laughs> that makes me sound horrible. But Medina is not like that. Medina was just this beautiful walled city with these beautiful doorways, cute little cafes and restaurants, the cathedrals, and bougainvillea everywhere, and these kind of limestone cobblestone streets. And it just was fun and older and medieval. And I don't know, it's a slower pace, 100%. You're not going to go clubbing in Medina by any means. Well, Medina, you know, Medina actually used to be the capital of Malta until like the Middle yes. Ages. Yes, yes, until Valletta was built. Yeah, and Valletta was essentially built by the Crusaders, I believe. Like you mentioned earlier, I mean, Malta, it kind of, it literally sits in the middle of the Mediterranean. So literally every civilization that has crossed the Mediterranean, traded in the Mediterranean, invaded across the Mediterranean, has traversed and inhabited and invaded Malta and left their mark on it. So the Crusaders are huge there. They built a lot of the fortifications. The Like you mentioned earlier, there are these monolithic stone monuments that are older than the fucking pyramids mm-hmm. that were built, you know, like 5,000, 6,000 years ago that are a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And then, you know, there's been the French, there's been the British, there's been the Arabs, there's been basically every civilization that borders the Mediterranean and some that don't have... Have come through there. Had a piece of Malta, yeah, and still left their mark on it. So, yeah, I mean, Valletta was the, you know, in, in the relatively grand scheme of things for Malta, Valletta is relatively new, even though for us, it looks extremely, extremely old and historic, and it is. But it's just that the timeline of Mediterranean civilizations is just so enormous that Valletta is like the trendy new capital. And Medina was the old historic one before the Crusaders. But I loved Valletta just because, and again, like you said, I didn't get to see Medina. I didn't get to see Gozo, the other island. I didn't get to, to Popeye's village. But I loved Valletta because it's so picturesque and it has so much crammed into that one little peninsula that it sits on. And the bars and the nightlife were just incredible. Like, there are just so yeah. many. And they're so unique. It's not, you know, a freaking TGI Fridays and a Ruby Tuesdays and a, you know, whatever. Right, like, right. all these chains, that, you know, predictable. They're all really unique, really idiosyncratic really trendy i mean you know what it actually reminded me remember how we were talking about the neighborhood of jamais in beirut and how mm-hmm. all the bars on that street were really unique and small and trendy and cozy that's how i felt the bars were in valletta at least in the center you know kind of behind the church um, no i'd agree i think there's like a main street i forget what it's called where which is what i stayed on where cars usually don't go down i think and, you were um, on market street right If not, we were very close to it, but yeah, where it's just shops, restaurants, bars. Yeah, it it reminds me of the Jemais. Yeah. And I didn't even really notice it until, I mean, I walked around during the day, but it was really at night when Valletta came alive because like a lot of streets I'd be walking down, you know, were just kind of closed storefronts and maybe a couple of souvenir shops open. But the restaurants and bars really don't open till the evening, especially the bars. And so streets that were kind of okay and, you know, had some foot traffic during the day were just like packed at night. And a lot of the bars, too, I noticed would set up bar space in the streets. Like they would kind of take over the alley or the street 
and set up seating and lighting and stuff above. And so you didn't even really get to see that until they opened up and put that stuff out at night. And then the whole city just transformed into this party city, but not in like a wild and crazy way, like in a sophisticated, right. you know, we're going to go have a cocktail. We might have, you know, an appetizer or two, and we're going to pop around to another bar and then maybe have some seafood here and then go have a glass of wine here. But I was really a little bit bummed that I was there by myself because it looked like a lot of fun, but, you know, I didn't want to kind of, and I have no problem going to a bar by myself, but it looked like a place where you could have a lot of fun with a group of friends that you like to travel with. And that's really what I want to do is go back with some other people and mm-hmm. spend at least a week there and go see not only Medina and is Malta where they have the, is it the Blue Grotto? Yeah, there is a Blue Grotto. It's kind of down to the south, south, west, east, maybe? west, southwest. The Blue Grotto itself, like we couldn't get in there, but we went into that basic area and the views when you get along the coast are so amazing. And it's just like these giant cliffs. And we were really able to walk all over and like climb on the rocks and take pictures and stuff. Actually getting down into the Blue Grotto the day that we did it. No, we couldn't do that. And, you know, the pictures I have seen look absolutely beautiful. But yeah, they do have a Blue Grotto. So like we said, there's so much we could say about Valletta. And especially since, you know, that was the only place that you went. So Valletta is in a harbor, and it's right on the Grand Harbor, and then they have kind of the fortress walled city up on there, which Valletta is sort of in, I guess. And so, like you said, you can go up and down the streets, and you might be sitting out drinking right next to a historical site or a church or whatever. I mean, that's kind of anywhere you go in Europe, but... Then you can take the ferry across, and they call it kind of the Three Fingers, and there are these little city-type areas across from Valletta. One of them is Birgu, is what I went to. And again, more Palaces Church. They have war, lots of maritime museums, things like that. And that was really cool to do as well. And then there are places, really great places, that you can go for sunset views and... Yeah, Valletta, you know, I could see if you went and you just did Valletta. You've still done quite a bit of Malta, but just that there is a lot more to see outside. So I really liked Medina. And then the other place that we went to that I'm glad we got to go to, a lot of the places, the names are really hard to pronounce. (laughs) And they also have kind of their own alphabet. I mean, it's basically, is it Phoenician? Is our alphabet Phoenician as opposed to like Cyrillic or something? Ours is Latin. Latin. So it looks like regular letters, but it's kind of like Icelandic, how they have a couple letters that we do not have to, that kind of thing. So it has a lot of consonants in it, but it's pronounced Marseschlock, and it's got like an X in it. Their X is kind of an SH sound, but it's this fishing village that is just so cool. And it was originally Phoenician. And so they've kind of preserved that Phoenician aspect. And in that area, they have these boats that are reminiscent of the old Phoenician boats. And they're all blue with kind of yellow and red and very colorful painted. I mean, they essentially all look the same, but and use the same colors, but they're mostly blue. They're called Luzus or Luzus, L-U-Z-Z-U is what they're called. And they're so picturesque. My God, my best photos of Malta were like in this fishing village. 
that was just so adorable. And you can walk around and you see all these boats and all the boats have the Eye of Osiris on the bow, every single one of them as, you know, protection. And then across from it is like this power station. So it's very old versus new, industrial, and this colorful, fun, picturesque stuff. And then there's little booths and stands and things along the waterways. Lots of cookie stands where there's like cookies and cannolis and all these cookies you can buy, fish market, things like that, little restaurants. It was just really cool. And then there are also places near there that you can go. They're supposed to be really neat uh, little inlets and bays that are nearby. But of course, we were kind of limited by transportation and that, as I've said, you know, stuff was closed or it was hard to get to. So I highly recommend that. And it's really popular and so cute, really cute. You would really like it. And these places, that's the thing is, you know, if you take a few days on Malta and let's say you have a rental car and you don't do the hop on hop off and you're just going along, you can hit so many of these places in a day because it's not that big of an island. So you could definitely spend your time going to the beach or going to the other islands, but just driving around, you know, spend a couple hours here, get in your car, drive to a couple other places. We were just dependent on the bus schedule. So well, the first thing you have to remember if anybody wants to rent a car, plans to rent a car, is that in Malta, they actually drive on the other side of the road. And I didn't they realize do. that until I got there. So there are four countries in Europe that drive on the opposite side of the road. So in other words, the British, I call it the British side of the road. So obviously the United Kingdom, Ireland, Malta, and Cyprus. And I didn't realize before I went there, literally like I walk out of the airport I'm walking, I sort of mapped out like how to get downtown on public transportation. And I walk across the parking lot of the airport and I get to the bus stop at the road. And like literally I almost get hit by a freaking car because I'm like, whoa, 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 this car's on the wrong side of the road. Like what is going on? You know, and I, I look <laughs> to the, you know, I don't know if it's the right or the left. I look the way I expect you the car to be usually coming, look. And then like all of a sudden from a direction I'm not expecting, it's like whoosh, car passes by in front of me on the highway and i'm like oh shit okay i guess they drive on the other side of the road here but yeah so that was me in london yeah and in like, london how they have the little thing on the ground that says yeah, they've had to put those down look says look left or look right, <laughs> look right. i know we're like so many places drive on the opposite side and we're just not used to it have you driven on the other side yeah, I did a thousand mile road trip around Scotland one time. That was right. my first time driving internationally anywhere. And it was the steering wheels on the other side of the car. And then you drive the car on the other side of the road. And so I was terrified and I thought like, there's no way I could do it. And you adjust so quickly that within like 15 minutes, your brain just flips everything and you're driving fine and you're not even nervous anymore. It was really weird. Yeah, it is really hard to get used to. I did it. I think the first time I had a rental car where we were on our own was in Ireland and Scotland, but I did not drive. My ex did. And even as a passenger, it was like, ah, so harrowing. And then I actually drove when we went to New Zealand, the two people I went with, we had rented an RV or they call it a caravan there. And so we took turns and the other two people drove most of the time, but I drove a little bit. And yeah, 
driving an RV on the other side of the road and then trying to hit a roundabout and navigate like into the right area. Yeah. Oh my God, your brain. But like you said, after a couple of days, you get used to it and you know, you start picking it up and then you come home and you're like, fuck. Like I just remember coming home and then trying to get out of the parking lot at the grocery store and being like, which way do I go? Like your brain's just having a brain fart. Yeah, so, the roundabouts were really scary. Which yes. I used to it, it was fine, but approaching them for the first time and realize like a friend of mine was in the car with me who was from the UK and I literally had to get him to be like, Okay, let me just confirm, we're turning left here, right? But I'm staying in this lane and then when I get off on the road on this side or this side, he had to literally like point me to the right, the correct side of the road to make sure that we didn't get in a crash. So it's 76 countries and territories that follow left-hand traffic laws, according to Google, 34% of the world's population. Yeah, in Bali, they drive on the left, and my friend and I rented a scooter. We each had our own, and I was following him, and he is from Australia, so <laughs> it was normal for him. So I actually pretty much almost got in an accident and really could have injured myself because I was following him so that I could like think of what he was doing being on the correct side of the road for that country and he got ahead of me and so my brain just is used to you know <laughs> decades of driving on one side of the road and so I started drifting over because there was nobody coming and then somebody was coming at me on a scooter and I'm on a scooter and we both did the kind of chicken thing. And at the last set, and poor them, you know, they're like, we're on the correct side of the road. And this like American girl is not on the right side. And we both did the sort of like, ah. and then at the last second, I swerved, like I realized it. And I had on no helmet, shorts, a bathing suit, flip flops. I mean, most hugest recipe for disaster. And I put my foot down because I wasn't going that fast. And I totally rubbed up my toes, but I really could have fucked myself up bad. Like I said, for decades, you are used to one way and you get on the appropriate side of the car that you are used to. And, <laughs> you know, it switched in those countries. And I even remember arriving in Zimbabwe and I had this huge, you know, very long story about not getting my luggage, and I was absolutely devastated. And my driver picked me up, and I go out there, and I was just so <laughs> dejected and upset and no luggage, and I'm on this, you know, like African trip and whatever. And I go to get in the car, and of course... I go to get in the normal passenger side, but he's, but I get in the other, I don't know. And he was like, are you driving me? And I was just like, <laughs> I don't know. I was just so like, it was all hitting me at once, you know, like the 30 hours of travel, not having your luggage. I think I had to walk through an area where there were monkeys, like there were baboons on the ground, monkeys of some sort on the ground to try and get to the car. And I was just so like, not in the right frame of mind. And I go to get in the car and I get in on the wrong side. And I was just I just remember that something so minor, but that just being like, you know, <laughs> the icing on the cake. And I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> the The freaky thing is when you see somebody driving before it kicks in that you're in one of those countries, and you see a car coming by, and there's no body, like literally no body, in the seat that you expect to be the driver's seat. And so you just right. have this panic moment where you're like, oh my God, that car is rolling away. 
and then you realize okay there is a body in there and they're on the other they're in the passenger side but okay i guess they're driving but there's several times when i've gone to the uk and i've been there for like you know the first couple of hours and then i see a car come by and i'm like oh my god there's nobody driving that car or oh my god there's a kid driving that car like you see a seven-year-old <laughs> in the past oh seat. because they're right yeah and you just automatically think oh my god a kid's driving that car what the fuck <laughs> so back to malta so uh -huh. yeah there's definitely a lot of things that you can see in malta that i did not see but if you're into history and archaeological stuff and all that there is a ton of stuff to see now there was one temple i'm not even going to try and pronounce it because you know it's the weird pronunciation that i'm going to butcher that's supposed to be amazing there's a couple and i think it's probably one of the unesco sites you had to book in advance. And I think that that was open, but we hadn't booked in advance. The one that we did go to was called Hajar Im. That was technically closed as well, but we were able to sort of walk around the grounds and see some stuff. And it was one of those sites where the site is like an outdoor site, but they put kind of a tent over it and have it preserved. So it's sort of semi-outdoor, indoor. So we were able to see those, and we were able to walk through the grounds, and it was right on the water, and we just could walk along the rocks, and that was just really cool. It would be probably a really cool sight to see in its entirety, but what we did see was just really neat. And where was and that And then at? kind of... Like outside of Villetta? Definitely. Oh. Sort of on the coast. It would have been on the west like southern west coast that area was really cool yeah the one that i can't pronounce that i wouldn't even try to that is really cool is closer to valletta but and when apparently you say temple, what do you mean like ancient um sort of indoor outdoor tunnels lots of ruins archaeological sites that kind of thing um very roman influence more of that type of stuff, Greek and Roman influence, oh. and some of the Phoenician stuff. We touched on everybody has been in Malta. So it's really neat because you do have so much history there. They right now are predominantly, and I mean like over 90%, they practice Catholic. But of course, at one time, there was a very strong Muslim influence there. So there is a small Islamic population, and there actually is one mosque on Malta. And over in Medina and near that is Rabat, which is another city that it's kind of like Medina, except it's more where you'd have the homes and stuff like that, and where it's less touristy. But in that area is more of that Muslim influence as well. Yeah. The, so I think you would really like it. There was a tribe of Arabs from North Africa that invaded Malta at one point called the Aglubids. And that is actually where Malta got its language from, from the Aglubids, uh, who spoke mm -hmm. Arabic, coming in from North Africa. And it's funny because a lot of the names of the cities are Arabic names. Like Medina is an Arabic word that means right. city. And Medina means city. Um, Rabat is also a city in Morocco. Medina is also a city in Saudi Arabia. But a lot of the cities still have their... Arabic names and you know like you mentioned the language it's the only Maltese is the only Semitic language that's an official language of a European country 
And I thought, before I went to Malta, I thought I'd heard of Maltese, but I thought it was kind of like one of those old, ancient, died-out languages. You know, maybe some little old ladies in some villages spoke. I don't know. But, I mean, I just assumed they all spoke English. Or I assumed they didn't speak English, they spoke Italian, because it's right off the coast of Sicily. And I just assumed, number one, they spoke English or Italian, and number two, Maltese was a Romance language or a Latin derivative. And I had no clue that they all speak Maltese as their first language. And actually, Mm -hmm. I think French and Italian are the second languages, but Maltese is an Arabic-derived language. And it's funny because, like you mentioned, it's written now in the Latin alphabet. They switched from the Arabic script to the Latin alphabet, but you can still... Actually, people who speak the North African dialects of Arabic, so basically like Libyan Arabic and Algerian Arabic, Tunisian Arabic, they can pretty much understand Maltese, even though it's definitely a different language. And even knowing some Arabic myself, I can recognize words in Maltese, you know, that are in the native language. It's just really fascinating and bizarre. Like, I never would have thought that Maltese would look more like Arabic than a Romance language, but sure enough, Mm -hmm. it does. And they, like, legitimately speak it. I mean, there's only about 500,000 people in Malta, so there's only about 500,000 speakers. But, no, they speak it. It's their first language, for sure. And they speak accented English. I just assumed because the British were there for so long that they all spoke great English, like, you know, the Scandinavians or the Dutch, but they speak accented English and Maltese is their first language. No, that's really true. I mean, they got their independence from the British in the 60s. So I guess now that was (laughs) quite a bit ago, but closer in Valletta, I feel like in Valletta and closer, everybody spoke English and because of the tourism, as we got out further there was less of that. And even definitely a couple of our taxi drivers, because we asked them all of this, they spoke, most of them, of course, in most places, how they speak more than one language, except for here in the States where they barely even speak English. But the Maltese people, yeah, they speak Maltese, and most of them speak English. The younger people, obviously, it's taught in school, and then Italian, and the people that we spoke to, they spoke Arabic. So they definitely understand that. Yeah, it's a funky, funky language. It's funny because when people hear Malta, they're like, I don't know what that is. But if you say Maltese, they either think of the Maltese Falcon, the movie, or a dog. (laughs) People when, you know, because I get home and people are like, where were you now? And I'm like, Malta. And like, I get these blink, 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 blank stares. And I'm like, Maltese Falcon. People are like, oh, right. Like the dog. That's their first association with it which is so funny did i see maltese dogs i don't remember i don't think i did either yeah and so i highly recommend going over the holidays you know i guess i wasn't there during the summer but i assume in the summer it's super crowded i just do not do hot weather anybody who knows me disclaimer like i've said when i talk about all these places you're going to hear me talking about them off season because i just hardly ever go in high season anywhere i don't like heat I don't like crowds. (laughs) I don't like smelling everybody's stinky BO. I do some, and also I don't like paying the cost. But I was there over New Year's Eve and it was inflated prices. Our hotel was a lot more expensive than it would normally be. So you definitely are paying for that. But New Year's Eve was really cool. We actually did New Year's Eve in Valletta. They have like a big square, St. George Square. We went there. They had 
loudspeakers with like piped in uncy uncy dance music, very amped up, you know, everybody jumping up and down. They had kind of what we think of as food trucks, but they were for booze. So you could just walk up to these little trucks and get champagne. Everybody had on all their, you know, you had your little tiara, your 2020 glasses, that kind of stuff. The little <laughs> blowers, noisemakers, things like that. Everyone was in a good mood. And yeah, lots of little stands where you could go up and get booze, hot and cold drinks. You could get like, you know, hot chocolate or coffee with like Bailey's or something like that. And they had music. There are clubs that you could go to that, you know, where people were really partying down. We weren't really into that. And then, of course, they had fireworks. And it was cool ringing in 2020 there. I, along with everybody else, probably had a lot of high hopes for 2020. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this is going to be a great year. It's a milestone year for me, birthday-wise. And I just thought 2020 would be fucking fantastic. Now I did have a great New Year's Eve. I had fun with my awesome cousin. And I don't know. I recommend Malta for New Year's Eve. There's a little bit for everybody. If you wanted to be a little quieter, you could be out like Medina or someplace else. If you want to be in the city, there's places to be. There's also a little area outside of Malta, kind of north. Um, I'm so bad with my direction. You mean outside north of Northwest. It starts with an S, Sliema, I'm not getting right, but that's supposed to be like where the party central is. But oh, there wow. were definitely like clubby, disco-y, rave type thing. Yeah, it was kind of cool. And then, you know, you and me always talk about food. Maltese food, I don't know, I don't it's nothing. Any, yeah, I don't yeah it's, any it's not like... Yeah, it's not like you're going to be somewhere going, I'm really craving Maltese food. I wonder if they have it in my city. Nothing against. They do a lot of stuff with potatoes. Rabbit is a big thing. They had little like pastry doodads that were kind of, they're called pastizi. It's sort of, those were really good. You would see that. There it is, Maltese. It's sort of like an empanada married a croissant. <laughs> and that's what you got. It's sort of this flaky dough thing that has like either cheese or mushy peas in it. <laughs> you know what yeah. mushy peas are? It's very British. Yeah. And other than that, but, you know, Valletta is the main city, so they have all the spectrum of food, your higher end, your less expensive stuff. We went to a couple places, obviously, but our big splurge, quote unquote, was the, someplace called the Tap Room. I'm not sure if you had gone there, too. I don't remember that. I don't recognize the name. Yeah, you had to make a reservation, and I'm um, well ahead of time, and it only had a couple seatings for the night, and it was really cute on the inside, and the food was like on point delicious with a really good kind of hipstery what do you call that the cocktails like we had in uh craft cocktails. in beirut yeah more craft cocktails and so yeah and the couple places we went in medina also cute one of them was a tea garden called fontanella tea garden and you went in and a lot of it was outside and so you were kind of upstairs but out looking over this overlook where you could see a lot of malta it's kind of flat i mean i think the highest point of malta is like 300 feet so that place had like cakes and drinks and cocoa and you could kind of sit out and have that sort of thing and look out at the maltese countryside i recommend that but yeah malta 
very surprising. Not, I didn't have any expectation. It was just a place that I was going. And I'm really glad I went. I had a really good time. My cousin is awesome. Shout out to her. She helped make the trip great. And I would recommend that you go back and see more Malta. I keep wanting to say more Malta meal, mom. But you didn't know what the fuck I was talking about when I said that. And I'm really dating myself. And I don't even know if that was before me. But if you're American and you're over the age of 50, you know what Malta meal is. And maybe you got a little chuckle when I said that. Hmm. Why don't we wrap up by... Um, I wanted. I didn't want to mention that after like I was just so impressed by Malta and had such a good time and I was only there for 24 hours that when I got back I wrote a five-part blog post series on my blog at jetset.ninja about Malta and the very first article is 10 things that surprised me about Malta and so I want to go through the list real quick and see if you agree that these are like the top 10 things that were surprising about Malta we've already mentioned a couple of them so I think you already for sure agree with some of them but the, and these are in no particular order, but just they're numbered in the blog post this way. But the first one for me was the wind. Malta is one of the windiest places <laughs> I have ever been. Did you find that too? Uh, I did find that. <laughs> yeah, the wind did definitely surprise me. It was, you like know. It's just I, constant. It's just constant wind. And it's not. I wonder like how it is in the fades. summer. Like if it's know, but... if it's helpful in the summer, because in the winter, obviously, so. if it's colder, it makes it feel colder. And when you're oh, within yeah. the cities, like when we were in Medina, we went into a restaurant to try and warm up because when it's colder and you're in the near like stone places, you know, like stone cities, and it just traps that cold. Like we just could not get warm. We almost. Oh didn't go out on New Year's Eve because we were so chilled to the bone, even though it wasn't that cold. But a hot shower really helped, and we were able to go back out. But if it was up to my cousin, we would have stayed in. Just want to say that. Marissa, you know it's true. Yes, 100% the wind. Very surprising. And then, okay, so number two for me, we we talked about this several times, but the language. Like I said, I didn't even know that... Maltese was spoken there or anymore by anyone. And not only that, but it's an Arabic derivative. So mm-hmm. the language was a huge surprise. Let's see. Number three, it's super fortified. Did you notice that literally like all around, not only Valletta, but even outside of Valletta, like there are just huge stone walls everywhere. Every mm-hmm. town, it seemed like on that island is just fortified. And of course, like we mentioned earlier, you know, I think you said every civilization that's been in the Mediterranean has passed Malta and tried to, you know, bully it and conquer it. So it goes to show. But related to that, on my list, number four, it seemed like there was a fort on like every tiny little piece of land that's jutted out into the sea. There Definitely. Tons and tons of forts. And I think Malta's even considered one of the most heavily fortified places in the world. I mean, it's like you're in some medieval movie when you're there it's gorgeous right and that's why they use it for movies yeah Yeah, very fortified every like every city has its own kind of wall around it yeah and they're still standing and they're still beautiful and number five on my list was the that it's super hilly has lots of hills and they're steep hills too especially in valletta valletta is really hilly and a lot of the streets are I don't know if I would describe it as hilly, but I know what you're saying. I think what it is is the difference because the cities are within forts, which are kind of up high, like forts are. 
So when you're walking, right, when you walk down to the sea, yes, there is a lot of walking. I would say there's more walking up and down stairs. Of the places that I went, you're not going to see that hilliness like you're talking about outside of Valletta. Medina is essentially flat. The coast, yeah, but I see what you're saying about Valletta getting up from like the main part of the city and the gardens and stuff down to the water, the harbor is sure. Yeah. It's, it's a calf workout. And then the <laughs> next thing was the buildings are the same color. I like it's a. Uh, yep. It's very beige. Beige. Yeah, exactly. And it's because, like <laughs> you mentioned, Malta doesn't have much, but it has a ton of limestone. And so all the buildings are. You know, most of the buildings are made out of limestone, and the ones that aren't are sort of colored like that to blend in. And the city is. And I think they even export limestone. I think it, the business is exporting limestone as well. Oh. Um, so that's why they have a lot of colorful, colorful, I can't talk, doors to try and offset that kind of beige. Well, the next thing I wanted to ask you did you go into St. John's Cathedral in Valletta? Yes. Yeah. That is a building that surprised the hell out of me because on the outside, it looks so plain. Like you would not expect to walk in it and be like, holy Jesus. Like it is gorgeous and intricate and beautiful and gilded on the inside. And the outside is just like, eh, maybe that's a warehouse with a church, you know, with a, with a belt. No, it's not what I expected on the inside. Yeah. With the huge marble floor. The vaulted ceiling, it's Baroque to the, the nth degree of Baroque. And Caravaggio yeah, gilded. Do you just, gorgeous. yeah, as far as the eye can see, it's just, yeah, really, but the inside is really beautiful. And the tombs, and then that high altar where you can go up and then walk across that kind of walkway and look down at it. Yeah, I was just blown away, but I almost didn't even go in the church because I'm like, eh, I mean, when you're in Europe, like another church is another church, but a hundred percent. This one, like, no, it's totally worth going in. And the yeah. looks on the outside are really deceiving. And then we mentioned, yeah, they drive on the other side of the road. And then my other two are, which is kind of a generic one here. It's a photographer's or Instagrammer's paradise. I felt like every corner I turned, literally, I just wanted to take a photo of everything. And I'm not one of those that you know, ruins my own trip and experience by trying to photograph and Instagram everything. Mm -hmm. I really do make a conscious effort to put the phone down and be in the moment and enjoy experiences. But Malta, I was just like, oh my God, like I just wanted to photo, even just a random building facade, you know, like an old abandoned building. They're just so beautiful. Malta is eye candy. On my Insta, at The Wandering View, I saved, you know, my stories the pictures that I actually took on Malta, I was looking at them today before we recorded. There's a ton that I didn't post, and I don't usually post regular posts. I only do stories. But you can go back and look at my Insta stories for Malta, and you'll see some of it. Yeah, there's real Malta, I have some amazing pictures. Definitely agree with you there. I have really good photos that I'm really proud of. Yeah, and Malta. then the last thing was that it packs a lot of nightlife into tiny little Valletta. And that's seriously, I mean, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's historic. I love all that stuff. But I really want to go back to Malta and Valletta to go out there. Like, I really want to go do the bar hopping and the restaurants and do it not just by myself, but with other people. Like, that's one of the main reasons I really want to go back to Malta because it just looked like so much fun. And I did get to walk around a lot at night while the bars were hopping. 
by mm-hmm. myself, just kind of exploring and photographing and making notes about places that looked really neat. But like, yeah, you, I just did not expect Valletta to be such a, you know, the only other place I found that surprised me that much was, I don't know if you've ever been to Romania, but Bucharest, Romania, the old town of Bucharest was like an incredible party scene. And I never would have expected it. The old town. Interesting. No, I have not. I have eight countries left to do in Europe and Romania is one of them. I have not. Well, maybe we should do a trip there because I still have to do Bulgaria. I skipped Bulgaria in the Balkans. And I really want to go back to Romania because Bucharest was a lot of fun, specifically the old town. And then I also want to go to like Cluj in the north because it's a big college town. It's supposed to be a lot of fun. And then, um, you know, Transylvania and all that stuff, do the Dracula shit. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of places that I'm like, God, if if we could just go, hopefully it gets better. And this fucking virus just needs to, I don't know, peter out a little or people need to get better or just who the fuck knows. It's just been too much of a shit show and it's affected everybody, everybody. So. It's too bad, like, the murder hornets can't take on coronavirus and, like, they could fight it out, you know? Oh, my gosh. That is, like, (laughs) you know, predator versus aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, like, murder hornet versus coronavirus. Yeah, that would be a great movie to see versus Godzilla. I don't know why the murder hornets even came up. (laughs) you know those memes that were like why were they introduced in the story if they weren't going to (laughs) have that much time it's so true i've forgotten about that already all right well Uh, my brain is on that note my brain just went (laughs) (laughs) well on that note let's wrap up this episode on tiny little action-packed awesome gorgeous mediterranean island of malta and so Delany, I hope we get to go back there together because I think it would be a lot of fun and uh, we both want to go back and maybe we can get a group together and go with some others as well and and party it up in little Valletta and go see the rest of the island. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it is our goal that when travel is a little bit more mainstream like it was, we would love to take anybody who wants to go (laughs) anywhere, anywhere that we've been and also we're open for new experiences. So. Anybody who's interested in going someplace that we've been or you have an idea of someplace you want to go and we haven't gone, hit us up. And um, when we can travel again, we would love to do trips with you all. So, yes, please. All right. And The Wandering Bue, B-U-E, on Instagram for Delany, I am at jetset.ninja. And with that, we will see everybody in the next episode on who knows what and who knows where we'll be, but we'll certainly be back for more of this craziness and hopefully be back into traveling before too long i know we say that every time fingers crossed <laughs> murder hornets <laughs> like ride murder hornet what actually what about I'm, I'm imagining like being on a murder hornet and like riding it like a little you know air vehicle or something exactly anyway all right i'm gonna go ride a murder hornet to bed <laughs> <laughs> i have no clue what that means <laughs> I just wanted an excuse to say murder hornet. Oh my gosh. Uh, All right. Malta concluded. And scene.